Palm Sunday. Now, I guess in the, in the spirit of the Lenten season, why don't I start off with a confession? Small. And I can talk about this because it's not part of my life anymore. Uh, but I had a habit for many years. Whenever I started a new book, I would always read the last page or two. Terrible. That's a, such a filthy habit. I would just get a book, I'd just read the last page, and often it was for fun because I wanted to sort of see, like it didn't make sense to me. The end, those words, it didn't make sense, but it was fun for me to see how the story got there. But then sometimes, not often, sometimes you would, I would get a spoiler, it kind of ruined the journey. And so I, I had to stop. But you know, I was guilty of that. I was thinking about that because. Uh, my wife is reading Harry Potter to my daughter for the first time, and we're on book two. And I forgot, it's been years, I forgot how that ended it, so I did it again. I kind of read, I got ahead of the family reading, I was like, no! And I throws the rule. There we go, guys. We have a priest in the room. Um, all right. I'm saying that to say, you know, we, you know, if you've been to church any length of, at length of time, we know Easter's coming. Right? Today takes place in the context of Easter. In fact, we're an Easter people. As Christians, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's wonderful. And we're going to get to that. Today, we're on Palm Sunday. It's a different moment. It's a special moment. We've heard the reading. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. What does that mean? A lot of things. I have like eight minutes, so I'm going to hit one thing. <laughs> um, it's a story that you may know. It's okay if you don't. It's tucked away somewhere in the, what we call the Old Testament, one of those boring books. Um, and it's a story, uh, you may have heard of King David. He's an important figure, especially uh, if, you, if you're a Jewish person in that uh, ancient um, culture. David was a great king. And uh, actually, his story in the Bible is one of the longest written records of any person in ancient writings, not just the Bible. And uh, this little story takes place when David's very old. Uh, he can hardly get around. He can hardly keep warm. Uh, court officials are really worried about him because they sense it's the end for him. And they're trying to, how do we keep the king warm? And it's going to be the change of a dynasty. And David has many sons. But the promise is that his son, King Solomon, well, Solomon, before he's king, just Solomon, is supposed to be king. Of course, Solomon has a lot of brothers. And Solomon's eldest brother, his name is Adonijah. He's tall, he's handsome, he's well-liked. And Adonijah thinks that he should be king. And enough people agree. In fact, Adonijah has a secret dinner party where he invites a man named Joab, who is the general of generals of the whole army of the nation. And he has... Another man called Abiathar, who's the he's a, he's a priest, a really important, influential person in the nation. And he has a private dinner party where they celebrate his kingship, Adonijah. Drama. He wasn't set to be king, but he sets himself up to be king. He has the religious ruling elite on one hand. He has the general of the armies on the other. Power at his table. Of course he's going to be king. A lot of drama happens, I'm going to skip over that. The point is, David hears about this. David says, no, Solomon's going to be king. Get Solomon, put him on a donkey, 
and lead him to Jerusalem. And while the dinner party is happening, young Solomon is walking on a donkey into Jerusalem to cheers. The king is here. Oh, a messenger runs to Adonijah at the dinner party and says, Yikes, Solomon's king, the real king has walked in. There's trouble in this room. And Adonijah's terrified. And Joab, the general, flees. Abiathar runs away. And Adonijah runs away to, uh, well, the church, actually, the temple. Holds on to the altar. He doesn't want to be killed by his brother. All right. I'll stop the story there. You should read, though. You know, First Kings. It gets fun. But I want us to think about Solomon and the donkeys. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's not. You see, Jesus' Jesus entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, we're celebrating today, has a precedent of kings coming into the city on a donkey. And I want you, this is what, I want you to hear this. This is the important part. Just as Solomon went to the kingdom, proving that he was a rightful king, so Jesus coming to Jerusalem on that donkey, showing not only his people, but in fact the world, meaning us today here, 2,000 years later, that neither the generals of this world who have armies ravaged this world, nor the elite or the powerful who control, influence us with their money and prestige. They sit in their dinner parties, but they're not the rightful rulers of this world. They're not the ones who in the end we have to give an account to. They set themselves up. But the real king is Jesus on the donkey coming into Jerusalem. He's the real one. And we have to hear that. Not only hear it, but recognize it. It's easy for me to poke at war leaders and the rich here. That's always easy. But the truth is, I don't have to look that far to see uh, wrong power being set up. I do it in my own life. There are things in my life, even right now, that I propped up to have influence over me more than Jesus. It's easy. One easy one that I have to wrestle with and pray about is I have a family now. And I look at my kids and I love them dearly. They're my gifts from God. But I can focus too much on that, <clears throat> obsess over them, right? In a way that shoes. Jesus is authority in my life. And I'm a priest, but I can do it easily because I'm a Christian, because I'm a human being. I can do that. Comfort, money, influence, success. Those are things that have control of our lives that we set up as little kings in our heart. There's Jesus on a donkey coming in into Jerusalem saying, I'm the rightful king. You have to understand that Jerusalem, maybe even that week, had Pilate or some other mighty earthly king entering the city at the same time. But it doesn't matter the powers of the world, it was Jesus walking in. He's a real deal. So what does that mean for me today? Great, Seth. This Old Testament move. Kind of interesting. What does that have to do with my life right now? Well, truth is I uh, we're here this Sunday, and I know every week you come in here, you bring your whole life into this room. Yeah, and you can feel happy, you can feel joy, it's a beautiful day today, but also you can feel sad, you can feel angry, you can feel frustrated, 
because our lives often, chronically, do not go the way that we wish. There's always something wrong. There's always someone who's hurt us. There's always some injustice that is never rectified in our lives. When we walk into every room we walk into, that's what we care, including right now. I'm not going to ask you to tell me about your life. That's really rude. And I know, just to be honest with you, I know. We're hurt. I'm hurting too. I'm very tired right now. It's okay. Well, not sleep. I'm sleepy. It feels wrong. Uh, look, you know what I'm saying? And that's just the, the top. I'm not going to go deeper. Life hurts. Jesus is king. Okay. So what? I was reading, uh, I was learning this week. Maybe you know about this, but it was news to me. I'm very provincial. I haven't traveled much in this world. Um, I learned about a church called the Church of Nations, the Church of the Agony. Have you heard of this church? It's in Jerusalem. Um, it's, I guess, fairly recent. It was built in the 1920s, and it's called the Church of Nations because a lot of people around the world came together to fund, to, to build it, to keep it going. It's called the Church of the Agony, too. Uh, I haven't seen it, but online, I guess. There's like a, a big a rock where it's said that maybe Jesus wept there during his garden moments before he was going to be killed. So it's in the church. And outside of the church, near the top, in fact, if you have your bulletin, you'll see the photo on the very front of your bulletin. It's sneaky there, I put it there. Ignore the watermark. Um, there's a, a beautiful picture, and it shows Jesus. Uh, it seems like he's like kneeling, hands like this, open. And you'll see groups of people, two groups of people on either side. And on, the, on his left, you'll see what are the, the broken, the poor, the destitute. In fact, probably the most heartbreaking, you'll see a woman with her dead child, holding the child right there, bringing it to Jesus. I don't even want to know that pain, but I know those who have it. There's the mother holding the child on one side of Jesus, on the left. And on the right, on the right side of Jesus, you see the philosopher, the, the king, the wealthy of the world, on his right. And there's Jesus in the middle, on his knees, kind of hands open, and God the Father on top. And it, it looks like Jesus is taking their supplications on both sides, their prayers, and he's bringing them to God. Right? That's Jesus the king right there. Because our experience of kings, as far as we have them, even just reading history, we know what kings are. They're the ones who had enough influence to wrench power for themselves and to lord that power over others. You might be able to ask them for something, and if it's in their best interest to give you something, they will. Right? In fact, we have modern democracies precisely because we're shoving off, you know, divine right of kings and all that jazz. Right? Rubbish. So we know... Kings, we know dictators, we know people who accrue that kind of power for themselves, of course, because they've always been the wrong ones. Because the right king, Jesus, comes in in humility and gentleness. He doesn't come waving a sword, he comes holding our prayers, holding our hearts, and he takes them into his hands. And he can say, he can pray, but none of us can. He prays to God and says, Oh God, hear my prayer. Here are the ones that I love. Listen to them. Listen to their hearts. Would you do something? Would you do something about this? Doesn't matter who. Do you hear what I'm saying? Doesn't matter who you are. You could be the lowest, the meanest, the most poor. Yeah, you could be the philosopher of the age. 
who turn to Jesus and trust. You see, they're all down kind of in the photo. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, you're the king. Would you help me? God, I feel alone this morning. In fact, I felt alone more often than not in this life. Oh, would you be there with me? And Jesus, yes. Yes, I'm there. Yes, you can trust me. Yes, I'm taking you into the bosom of the Father. That's, in fact, my home. And if you trust me, where I am, you too shall be. In fact, even this morning. Because I'm the king. I'm the gentle king. I'm the servant king. In fact, in a few days, I'm going to give my life for you. Right? And it's not, it sounds gross, but it's actually going to be your healing, not only of your life, but the world. I'm going to do what you can't. I'm going to do it because I love you. You can trust that. So, this Palm Sunday for me, I want you to hear that Jesus loves you, that you're not alone. The kingship of Jesus means that we are never alone, and you can always turn to Jesus. Doesn't matter what your life has been. Man, you don't even have to believe all of it, I'm telling you. There's a lot of things in the Bible you'd be like, I don't know about this. Jesus isn't asking you to have a checklist before you can turn to him. Jesus is a, he is the God of love. Before you were born, he knew you. You're not an accident. He wanted you to be here. And he says, I'm the king. Trust me. So I hope that this morning and the rest of your lives, you do just that. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Gracious and loving God, oh, we give you thanks that in the midst of the turmoils of this world, kings and ravaging with war and oppression and violence, God, in the midst of all of our human history and the fact that the pain of our very lives, God, I, I thank you that uh, you don't leave us alone, but that you make yourself so available, so near in Jesus. Um, we have a way of kind of sidestepping that or, or forgetting or ignoring that, God. And I, I'm just praying this morning that you help each one of us here uh, to just turn to Jesus and tr- to trust him, to experience your life, your love, your hope, as only you can give. And God, we pray this and we ask you this in the name of Jesus the King. Amen.